Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Good to be at Launch Point today. I miss our pastor. Uh, What's he been gone for about a month now? Isn't that the way it is when pastors leave? It's like, man, Joker's been gone a week, but it feels like a month and a half or something. I'm not Jim Cubic today, as you can uh, readily see. Uh, I think he's about two feet taller than I am. <laughs> and uh, I've only been offended like once or twice this morning about how tall I am. I'm not going to mention any names, but... <laughs> You, I don't think anybody can offend me with a short joke. I have heard all the short jokes that you can uh, come up with. I've been told to stand up in the crowd a thousand times, right? Go ahead, stand up, Terry. Go ahead, stand up. You know, We've heard all that stuff, so thank you. Uh, thank you for not telling that joke today, but it's good to be with you. I do love your pastor and his wife. Pastors are my target in the sense of ministry, uh, to honor them, to encourage them, and to connect them together. Um, A recent uh, study came out on Fox News. It was just last week someone sent this to me. I had missed it. I didn't see it. I believe Barna had done the research on it. But just this past March, they polled uh, a few hundred pastors somewhere And 48% of them said that they had contemplated in the last year quitting the ministry and doing something different. And you say, how can you do that? How can you be ready to to give up a calling that you feel like is from God? I'll just tell you that pastors are human beings and they are flesh and blood. And they're not all spirit. And they don't wear a cape and they don't have an S on their chest when they go home and take their suit coat off. They're just flesh and blood. And so when you're not all spirit, you're going to have that flesh side. Your pastor will have an anointing up here on Sunday morning to preach and teach and lead and and do the work of the ministry. But I promise you, when he puts this microphone down and he goes home, he's flesh and blood. And he gets tired just like the rest of you do. And then they carry the spiritual weight of a church along with just the physical uh, nature of ministry, which is a 24-7 job, really. And you don't really know it's 24-7 till the phone rings at 2 or 3 in the morning, and you got to go follow an ambulance to the hospital, or you got to go pray someone off of a ledge, or you've got to go hold the hand of someone who's just lost a family member or whatever. That's when it becomes 24-7. And they never, ever lay down the burden for this church. They always think about you. Always. 24, they get to sleep, but when they wake up, I promise you they're thinking about the church. They're thinking about your needs. They're thinking about how they can minister and preach. And so it's just like yesterday I got a phone call or I got a text from a pastor in Arkansas. And he was thanking me for the Zoom call that we do every Thursday where we had, I think this last week, we had about 50 pastors on there uh, in two different Zoom calls. I said, how are you doing? Because something in his his text let me know. know, I said, well, how are you doing? 
He said, well, it's been a pretty tough season. He said, we got three people that have got cancer right now in this small church. He said, we just found out this week. Two of them are in treatment. Another one's going to be going into a treatment. And those are, those are heavy burdens on a pastor because we're supposed to be God's men of faith and power, right? We're supposed to be able to come down there, lay hands on the sick, and see God uh, do it just like that. But sometimes God doesn't do it like that, right? Sometimes it's a process. And sometimes the process can get you uh, weary and tired, not necessarily weary. I want to I talk about the difference between the word weary and tired in just, uh, for just a second here. We're going to read our scripture text this morning in Galatians chapter 6, if you want to turn there. It talks about not becoming weary in well-doing, depending on what version you're looking at today. But I believe there's a difference in being tired and being weary. Weary means to give up. Weary means I quit. Weary means I'm through with this process, and I'm looking for a different process. Weary means I'm fed up to the point where it's over. People get weary in their marriages sometimes, and they say goodbye to a spouse. People get weary in their relationships with their kids sometimes, and uh, they say, get out. I'm done. I personally have a hard time understanding how that can happen, either one of those two, just because I've been married now 37 years. Everybody give me a hand clap of prayer. Give her a hand clap of prayer. I'm just kidding. It's hard for me to imagine looking at my kid and saying, get out and don't you ever come back here because I'm sick and tired of you or somebody abandoning their kids, right? But people get weary and they quit. They do quit. They quit the ministry. I've seen pastors say, I'm done with this. I'm sick and tired of the problems of the church. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with their stuff 24-7. It's a thankless job. I'm sick and tired. I quit. And they go sell insurance, or they go sell cars, or they go do something, or they start a business where they think they're going to be more fulfilled and happy. Weary is different from being tired. Can I just say this? The whole world is tired. Can I get an amen up in here? I used to tell kids all the time in youth ministry, the, the world is run by tired people. I used to have a pastor. He said, I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you sleep. Let's get the work done. Kind of like an old Maury Davis, right? I didn't work for Maury, but he, he was a lot like Maury Davis. He didn't care if he slept. We're going to get the work done, and we're going to get the job done on time and when it's on schedule. Boots, you understand that kind of stuff, right? I don't care if you're tired. We got to get this house built. But there's a difference in being weary and tired. Let's look at the Scripture, Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 7 through 10. And I want, to, I want to talk to you today on this subject, trust the process and keep the faith. Trust the process and keep the faith. It says, don't be misled. This is the NLT. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God, verse 7 through 10. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death, and from that sinful nature... But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. 
So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, depending on what version you're reading, it'll say weary, it'll say tired, all of those different things. But the bottom line today is I'm here to encourage you to keep on keeping on, keep doing the good things that the Lord has told you to do, that the Lord has taught you to do through your pastor and through your leadership, and don't get weary in well-doing to the place where you give up because there is a payoff day coming. And it's not necessarily in the, in the heavens. There's a payoff on this earth. There are good things that are going to come the way of this church if you don't get weary and give up. For the last few weeks, you've been hearing your pastor talk about loving people, serving people, speaking kindly to people. And I told him, I said, you know, I started to call this sermon today, Rinse and Repeat. <laughs> rinse and Repeat. And then I looked on ESPN one day, and they had something on there about Rinse and Repeat. I'm like, well, I can't use that now. Everybody going to think that's where I'm getting my sermon titles from. But it could be called Rinse and Repeat because the church of Jesus Christ, sometimes we need to be reminded to just keep on keeping on. Don't give up. The body of Christ, the true body of Christ, has to have a resilient spirit enough to say we will not stop loving people. We will not stop serving people. We will not stop speaking kindly to people because that's the way you win people. That's how it works. I challenge you today, first and foremost, to love, serve, speak kindly to people, but do it mercifully. Everybody say mercy. There is no perfect time. You'll have to take the time away from something else that you can be doing that looks important, but love, serve, and speak kindly anyway. You'll never feel just right about doing it. There may be no feeling at all, especially at first when you're dealing with people, but love, serve, and speak kindly anyway. Anyway, people are people that need mercy. Anyway, people, it may be dangerous to reach them, unnerving, unfulfilling sometimes, unacceptable to those around you even. But show due caution and love, serve, and speak kindly anyway. They may be 24 hours worth of crazy, or they may be a lifetime of crazy. They probably won't even know that they're crazy. But love, serve, and speak kindly to them anyway. Everyone say anyway. Too many people are like the man who 
set an appointment, walked into a psychiatrist's office. He'd placed half of a cantaloupe on his head and a, a piece of bacon around each ear. And the psychiatrist, when he walked in the door, said, oh, man, I got me a live one now. I'm going to be able to write the annals about that. I'm going to be able to put this one in a book, right? He thought to himself, this is it. Then the man with the cantaloupe on his head and the bacon around each ear said, I have come here today to talk about my crazy brother. <laughs> Some people don't know they're crazy, right? Love them anyway. Speak kindly to them anyway. Serve them anyway. All y'all are making a list of people right now in your minds. The whole of society may think you're out of your mind for doing it. They may give you every legal and emotional reason to take a pass on not doing it, but love, serve, and speak kindly anyway. Some gentle, loving souls will be easy to love, easy to serve, easy to speak kindly to, but others will seem at times to be the spawn of Satan. These are the anyway people of your lives. And they will create the moments in your life from which you will respond to and excel forward from or react to and fall backward into destructive patterns yourself. My father was a pastor my whole life. I grew up in the church. Uh, some thought I was born under the altar until I became a teenager, and then they realized I was not born under the altar. <laughs> uh, but my dad used to take <clears throat> my sister and I, who was two years older than I, my mom and dad would do nursing home ministry. And so on a certain day of the week, in most of the places they did ministry, we would go to nursing homes. And it was my job and my sister's job to go into those rooms and, and wheel the patients out to come into a main room, and mom and dad would sing to them. They would, they would do the old hymnal singing. Mom would play the piano. Dad would lead it. And then he would teach us basically a Sunday school class to nursing home patients. And they did that week after week after week after week after week after week in a place called Brinkley, Arkansas. I don't know if you've ever known Brinkley, Arkansas. There are bigger mosquitoes in Brinkley, Arkansas than there are anywhere on the planet. It's nothing but a big rice paddy out there. One day in Brinkley, Arkansas, Dad had taught, and there was this lady that had come in several weeks and just sat there and never said a word. In fact, he had never seen her say a word. And so Dad had a custom at the end of the service, he would always go around and shake hands and speak kindly to people, if you will. And tell them, hey, it's, we're glad that you came today. Even though some of them couldn't understand the thing you were saying, right? Even though some of them were kind of out of their minds. I remember people sitting in those uh, nursing home services holding baby dolls. You know, grown people, 60, 70 years old, still holding a baby doll. I mean, even though some of them didn't know what was going on, he would still go around and shake their hand. And this lady was out in the crowd, and he shook her hand. And after many, many classes, one day she said, Two words. She said, thank you. Well, dad was shocked that she had said something. But what was more uh, shocking was the nurses and the people that were around 
that started crying when she said thank you. Because that lady had been in there for, I think, years and had never said one word in that nursing home. And the next week we came in, dad to do ministry. She was in her room waiting on dad to come around or mom to come around. And she asked my dad to come into her room. Say, come in here. I want to talk to you. Dad is blown away. She started telling him a story. She said, years earlier, when I was, I don't know, she's 20 or whatever age, a lot younger. She said, I was, it was my wedding, it was the day before my wedding. And uh, I was to be married the next night. And I found out that my, uh, my sister had been having an affair with my fiancé and that my sister was running away with my husband-to-be the next day. And she said, since that day, I closed myself off. And she said, I have never spoken to one other person since that day. This woman let bitterness from a painful experience, completely close her off to the point where it made her into a debilitated state where she had to go into a nursing home to function until God, through a kind word, unlocked something in her heart to where she could forgive and she could move forward with her life. There are going to be people, they might be the closest people to you in your life. They might be your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your best friend that are going to do something and do you wrong. But you better learn to love them and respond to them like Jesus does anyway, or it could put you into a bad spot in your own life. Love them, serve them, speak kindly to them anyway. You said, man, that's a crazy story. Did you make that up? That's a true story. That actually happened. I can't even hardly believe that when I tell that story. Wilbur Wright, the guy who, uh, um, with his brother, created flight. When he was 18 years old, he got hit with a hockey stick on a rink, knocked all of his teeth out. He had to get false teeth at 18 years of age. This kid in the neighborhood, I guess, just threw it at him or whatever. They really don't know. They really don't know if it was an accident. I don't think it was an accident because the two people, he went on with his brother to create flight, but the guy who ended up hacking him with a hockey stick turned out to be a mass murderer. He went on to kill 13 people including his mother and his father. He thought he was Jekyll and Hyde, and he thought that gave him a reason and a right to kill people. I'm just saying there are people living in your neighborhood down the street from your kids who are flat out crazy. And you got to decide, how am I going to respond to these people? Am I going to love them? Am I going to serve them? Am I going to act like Jesus to them? And move forward with my life, or am I going to stay with them? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying today? Two guys that 
same neighborhood, one went on to do something great. Now, the Wilbur Wright ended up being in his home for eight years in recovery. He could have let that destroy his life, but he moved forward in forgiveness and moved forward to do great things, and aren't you glad for airplanes today? I'm glad I only had to travel seven minutes to come to church today and preach this message. Somebody called me and asked me, how far you got to go to preach today? I said, seven minutes. I said, hallelujah, praise God. Anyway, people have caused more stress, pain, and uncalled for despair in people's lives than could ever be measured. I'm talking about anyway people. Love them, serve them, speak kindly to them anyway. In spite of the way they've lived their lives toward you. Respond to anyway people with forgiveness and mercy because there's probably a reason behind why they are that way. There's no telling what created the monster in front of you unless you become one yourself, freely plant forgiveness and move forward in freedom and live a life that's filled with the good news and the goodness of Jesus. After all, looking down from the cross at his murderers, Jesus, our true example for life, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Anyway, people, love them, serve them, speak kindly. Number two, love and speak kindly to, to people repeatedly, over and over and over and over again. You say, I only got so many times in my life. I can't do it over and over and over again. In fact, one of the disciples asked Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive this guy? And they came up with 70 times seven. That might as well have been 80 times 7, 90 times 7. It means as many times as it takes, right? We've got to learn to be uh, tenacious to repeat loving, serving, and speaking kindly to people. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. John 18 records the denial of Christ by Peter three times. But John 21 records the reestablishing of relationship with Jesus when he cooked fish and ate with Peter and the disciples after his resurrection. Then three times he asked Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, each time. And he said, follow me. If Jesus Christ had to serve and minister to people over and over again until they finally got it, what makes you think that you and I shouldn't be prepared to do the same? Again, we talked about anyway, people. These are again people. Again, people are the ones who need to be restored and not rejected by the church. Again, people are the patience testers. Again, people are like, uh, uh, they, they test you. I saw a cartoon one time about, a, a, it was a buzzard sitting up in a tree, and the buzzard said, patience, forget patience, sucker. I'm about to kill somebody. Anybody ever seen that cartoon? You may feel that way, but you can't act that way. Living like Jesus has never been painted to be a primrose path of ease and serenity. At some point, we got to forget pageantry in the church, and we got to learn to perform and do what Jesus told us to do. Disciples were sleeping instead of praying. Jesus is praying so hard in the garden that he's sweating drops of blood, asking if the Father would let this cup pass from him. Then another disciple betrays him. Then 
Peter jumps up and cuts off a soldier's ear that he had, uh, that he then has to jump up and heal the soldier before he can go to the cross. I mean, you talk about pressure in the garden. I can totally see that Jesus would say, my God, boys, I'm trying to save you in the world, but I can't get out of this garden. You boys are killing me in the garden before I go to the cross. You ever been frustrated with people? Am I talking to myself today? Has anybody ever been frustrated with people? Every day. Thank you. I got some honesty in the crowd right there. I mean, the disciples, they were just as bad as the people they were, that he was ministering to everywhere else. He couldn't get it through to their heads. But he loved them anyway. Again, people are everywhere, including you and me. Aren't you glad that Jesus continued to believe in us? Aren't you glad that Jesus continued to believe in you and brings you back time after time after time? Only we know how many times Jesus has had to bring us back in our minds through forgiveness and through mercy. We are again people. We are the anyway people sometimes. That's what churches are made up of, anyway and again people. <laughs> Here Jesus was having to deal with them in the garden before he could go to the cross. Number three today, love Speak, serve, do all of that, and do it confidently. Do it confidently. Not just repeatedly, but confidently. Believe in God's word to be more powerful than any circumstance that you see in people. The right seed, the right amount of water in the right soil will produce spiritual fruit. Jesus set that up. Your pastor didn't set that up. The organized church didn't set that up. Jesus said, as long as we're on this earth, there's going to be seed time and harvest. You put a seed into the ground, it's in the right soil. It, whatever that seed is, it's going to come up. It's going to happen. Whatever we sow, we will reap, the scripture said. God will not be mocked, nor will the process be circumvented, manipulated, or faked out. The seeds we sow will produce a harvest. I've been amazed when I've come into this church and just visited from time to time to see the growth of this church, to see the future of this church, to see how God is blessing this church through the people of this church, to move forward in this community of Wilson County and in Lebanon to go reach the lost in this community and to build this church. Can I get an amen? This is truly a miracle from God. But it's also a miracle of trusting the process. Your pastor tells you the right things to do according to the word of God. Then we have an opportunity to either go and obey that or do what the word says or to go do what we want to do. We can blow up every relationship we've ever had in our life by speaking nasty to people. We can blow up every family gathering that we ever are ever in because there's always going to be somebody there that's going to test your patience and try your patience. There's always going to be somebody in your life that can blow it up if you lose control and don't speak kindly to them and continue to love them as Christ loves them and even serve them. I'm not telling you something that's easy to do. I'm telling you that's obedience to the word of God to do it. The growth from our work in the kingdom is not up to us. 
some plants, some water, but God gives the harvest. He absolutely will give you a harvest of souls that will blow your mind in this church if you will continue to be faithful, confident, and obedient to the word of God. So don't get tired of doing good. Don't get weary and quit in doing good. Weary in well-doing. For in due time, due time, at the right time, we will reap if we faint not, if we don't quit, if we persist, if we continue on. Don't be a sunshine soldier, if you will. Don't let fatigue, rejection, or lack of recognition cause you to stop. Cause you to stop loving people, serving people, speaking kindly to people, and bringing them to Jesus. You say you are repeating that over and over and over and over. Our pastor's been talking about that for weeks. When are we going to quit hearing about loving people, serving people, speaking kindly to people? I'm only going to say that about 50 more times in this message today. Because we got to get it in our spirits, right? Love them, serve them, speak kindly to them, because that's what will win them. It's not easy to do. Jesus was tired, exhausted, bloody, rejected, humiliated, maligned, betrayed, insulted beyond belief, but he went to the cross anyway. The disciples all ended up being imprisoned, beaten, tortured, and even martyred, but they preached the gospel anyway. And they are the reason you and I are in this church today because they didn't quit. We've got to bow up and get our knees and our hands dirty in the work of God, if you will. The only way we win is if we keep on keeping on until the seeds grow in people's lives. Keep living in grace. Keep showing grace. Keep promoting grace. Because without it, we are lost, dead, and hopeless. Kingdom work is flat out hard, but we can do it. What's easy is to flip the world off, shake your fists in its face, and claim what's yours, my house, my yard, my stuff, my life, my wants, my desires. I'm going to get what's mine at any cost. Don't get in my way or you're going to get flattened. Love me. Love me. I'm in love with me, so I'm going to love me some me. So you do what you do and I'll do me. Listen, it ain't hard to live the world's way. That's easy to live that way. You just live on your emotions, right? You just do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. What's hard is to lay down your life for the unlovable or to take a towel and wash the feet of the selfish or respond to insult and speak kindly to the nasty, irritated, raw, sinful people of this city and society. That's the stuff Jesus was made of. That sort of toughness has dirty sandals, calloused, bloody hands from carrying a cross. It has a war-stained brow from thorns and, and spit and bruises and blood that the enemy dished out. It has bloodshot eyes and tear-streaked cheeks from staying up all night, swinging the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, over the lost, praying, crying, asking, believing, and pounding the altar in your home in the midnight hour to see impossible odds flip 
and to turn in favor with our loved ones, neighbors, and people God has burdened with us. That's the work of the kingdom. Ted Loder in his book, Gorillas of Grace, said this, How shall I pray? Our tears, prayers, Lord, our screams, prayers, or groans, or sighs, or curses. Can trembling hands be lifted up to you, or clenched fists, or the cold sweat that trickles down my back, or the cramps that know my stomach? Will you accept my prayers, Lord, my real prayers rooted in the muck and the mud and the rock of my life and not just the pretty cut flower, gracefully arranged bouquet of words? Will you accept me, Lord, as I really am messed up mixture of glory and grime? Can I tell you that's what the world is asking God today? Will you accept me, church, is there a church somewhere that I can find a home in? Is there a people somewhere that will love me past what I did 15 years ago? Is there somebody anywhere in this county, in this city, that will love me and my family? We're not the perfect family. We're the messed up, tore up, broken up, uh, messed up family that nobody usually wants to be around, but surely there's a God somewhere that can love me. There's a God somewhere that cares about me. My question today, is that church going to be Launch Point Church? Is that church going to be this church in this building right now before you ever get to the nice, beautiful, visionary building on the wall back there? Are we going to be that kind of church today? That's my question, because that's what, what it comes down to. This city and county needs a church, a body of people who will go into every corner and crack of society, believers who see it as their God-given right and responsibility to go after people's souls in the power of the Holy Spirit with a love and a passion in their eyes. That's what this city needs. That's what this county needs. Lebanon and Wilson County needs a church of believers who will be willing to move past their feelings, their timidity, their failures, their hurts, their wounds, past common practice, past common effort, past the normal and the average to do uncommon things for Jesus. We need a church right here a launching point, if you will, for people to come to Jesus and then spring forward and upward in their new walk with the Lord. We need a launch point that won't put limits on who can go forward or how high a person can go in Jesus. No pre-qualifications on who is eligible to come in that door and to go forward and upward with Jesus, but a church who believes that whosoever can still come to Christ and have their life changed. Can I get an amen in this room? Are we that church? Are we those people who will trust, trust the process of planting seed in the ground of a person's life, watering that seed by loving them, by serving them, by speaking kindly to them, 
and then letting God give us the harvest. Quit worrying about how many is going to come in the back door. Just love people, serve people, speak kindly to them. I promise you, you will not be able to build a building big enough on that new piece of property to hold the people in this city and in this county who are going to come in here and give their lives to Jesus. There are going to be people come in that have never come in before to a church. They think if they come into a church, it's going to fall on them when they come in the door. But how of you know it's not going to fall in on them at Launch Point Church? Are you with me today? Are you with Jesus today? Are you with your pastor today? Love them. Serve them. Speak kindly to them. Anyway, again, with mercy, repeatedly over and over and confidently knowing that God's going to come through.